630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers for timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker. Touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, step number one complete. I remembered how to get to the station. Now we go into the show. Thanks a lot for tuning in, everybody. It is 6.06. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30. Ched, 24 hours from now, we will have Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final, Washington at Tampa Bay. Braden Point comes in. Pocket pick. Another great player from Devontae Smith-Pelly. And this will be a foot race. And Colburn getting there but negating the icing. Great hustle from Stevenson in front. A shot. They score. They score. Devontae Smith-Pelly with 9.58 to go. It's 2-0 Washington. John Walton with the call from the Caps Radio Network. 3-0 would be the final. Washington stays alive against Tampa Bay. That has been a really entertaining series. Capitals took the first two on the road. Tampa Bay came back with two road wins, a home ice win, and uh, now the Capitals get a much-needed home ice win. I, I got to say this. Greatest game the Washington Capitals have ever played in t- their entire franchise history? If not, it's on a pretty short list. They've been a long-suffering franchise. Uh, obviously, were uh, terrible for several years when they first came into the league. If had a couple little bursts of being good, finally got over the hump, called the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier this spring, and now hanging in there against a team, quite frankly, I didn't think they had much chance against, but now they're taking the Tampa Bay Lightning to Game 7. Keeping an eye on that series and all things going on in the NHL playoffs, our weekly contributor here on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. I'm looking forward to Game 7 tomorrow, and then I get to uh, go home for a couple of, uh, maybe three nights, I think, until I leave again Sunday to head to the finals, wherever they're going to be other than Vegas. They've already announced the schedule for the Stanley Cup final, and I know a few people have already said to me, geez, they're sure taking their sweet time playing it. There are more two-day breaks between games than there are single day breaks between games so it's not going to be a game day off day game day off day than it, as it has been through the conference finals i don't know kelly when it gets deep into the playoffs does it uh d- does it matter to the playoffs i mean does it matter to the players can there be something for vegas with a long wait between series or does it not make a difference at this time of year well it, it's a fine line right i mean uh, vegas did talk about it they had that long break between both rounds and then they were pretty rusty that first game uh, that they played in uh, the conference final. So I think that did have some sort of effect on them, but they were able to regroup pretty quickly. I don't know. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's been this way for at least two or three years. I know last year we were on site where we did the games between Pittsburgh and Nashville, and I recall 
two days off between a, a number of the games as well. So, uh, and in fact, between six and seven, I know it finished in six, but if it would have gone back to Pittsburgh for seven, there was another two-day break. So I'm not exactly sure the thinking behind that, but uh, I know that uh, I'm sure the players would like to play. As, as a broadcaster, you know, for me, I, I don't I don't care one way or the other. You know, a day off here and there doesn't hurt because it's quite the grind for us as well. The Stanley Cup final will start Monday, but before we get to that, obviously, we got to determine the other team in it. Vegas will play either Washington or Tampa Bay. So before we get into some of the details about what we've seen on the ice from these teams, Kelly, uh, i, I got to ask you, uh, Game 7. What's and you played some as as a player, obviously. But what's the is there a perfect way for a player to spend Game Seven? I mean, I, I know players will try to say, well, treat it like any other game. I would think even if you're a veteran, you know it's not any other game. What's uh what's the perfect game day experience for a player who's about to compete in a Game Seven? No, it's not like any other game. Uh, I think uh, more than anything, it's about trying to remain calm and focused and uh, relaxed. Uh, I think that it, it, it might depend on the pressure you might have going into it. I think if you're a team that might have been up uh, 3-1 uh, and then all of a sudden the other team battles back at 3-3 and maybe you're going back home, it could be a little bit more nerve-wracking. Uh, but I think that all in all, it's a day of uh, trying to stay uh, just nice and relaxed and not allow all the uh, emotion to get the best of me. More than anything, Reed, I think, and I played in four of them, I remember the most important thing is when I went out onto the ice for the start of the game and just before the national anthem, it was more about breathing and trying to stay in the moment and not let the first, say, three to five minutes become overwhelming because they can. Well, that's a good point. And if you fall behind early, it's, you know, well, any game, but especially in a game seven, you know, that's that makes the hill a lot tougher to climb. This has been an interesting series between the Capitals and the Lightning. Uh, I know Bob and Jack and Brendan and I do our uh, do our picks on Bob's show before every round. Nobody picked Washington. I don't think anybody said it would go longer than six. And then the Capitals jumped out to a series lead, and, and now they're taking it right to game seven in Tampa. I, I want to ask you about a specific play. But before we get to that, and generally about the Capitals, and you used to play in a division with the Capitals, and obviously one of your Game 7s was was the Easter Epic that went to four overtimes. But, I mean, have they ever been called the big, bad Washington Capitals in their history? But they kind of look like they could be now. Yeah, you know, I I know that their history, they won't go to the Cup Finals the one time, and their history isn't all that uh, rosy, I guess. Uh, but, you know, this is an easy team to cheer for, I think. You know, the last few years, they've been beaten up, not only on the ice, but off the ice. Everybody criticizes them for the way in which they react and how the uh, the playoffs end up going for them. But I like this team. I like this year. I, you know, it's hard to root for somebody because I have friends also in Tampa. But um, this is a feel-good story, and they've been handling it the right way and you look at there's still been question marks even though they got through Pittsburgh and as you said they get up 2 nothing, then they fall behind and some of those same questions uh, arise and so it's kind of good to see how they played last night 
especially guys like uh, Holton. There's a lot of pressure. I was really pleased to see the way in which he walked into the uh, rink yesterday. A big smile, and and I think it really helped him relax for the game and then pitch the shutout. And then, of course, Ovechkin. I mean, he's done everything right. He just can't get past the Crosby. Now he finally does, and he's been playing the right way, and he's not running all over the place for big hits. He's hitting if the hits are there, but it, it, I find them to be a physical team, but not doing stupid things. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports, joins us uh, every week throughout the NHL season. Former NHL goalie now with the NHL on Rogers. One guy in specific, and he was incredible last night, Devontae Smith-Pelly. And, you know, Paul Roman up calling the game for you guys had a great line saying, you know, he, he was kind of picked off the scrap heap by the Washington Capitals. He was with Anaheim, he was with Montreal, he was with New Jersey. You know, a second-round pick who never really seemed to catch on anywhere or find a role, and, and he was just, a, I thought, a wrecking ball last night. Plus, then he got, a, he got a huge goal, and I mean, it's one of those cases, Kelly, where, you know, <laughs> a cliche, but a, a career is a long thing, right? And, and you yeah. never know where all of a sudden a guy might just have the right skill set at the right time. And maybe mature into the role of being a professional hockey player. It's not easy. As you said, he was a high draft choice and never really found a steady home anywhere. In fact, he got bought out last year when he was in Jersey. So it's a good story. I mean, what I love is Gary Galley, the feature he did on him, where uh, talks about how loose he is and how he comes back on the bench and he slides down the bench and crashes in the guys and and uh, they're taking some, he's taking some of the stress off some of the other guys. But, yeah, you're right. I mentioned it in the second intermission yesterday that I should have talked about him sooner in the playoffs and in the series in particular because it seems like every single game he does two or three things that really grab my attention. So I was happy last night to talk about him in the second, and then he, in the third he is tremendous again, even better, and scores the goal. So uh, this is a guy that right now it's a good fit for him. I'm happy he played 75 games for the Capitals in the regular season this year. He played all 18 or plus, so hopefully moving forward because he only signed a one-year deal. Hopefully moving forward, it's long-term for him Washington. All right. You talked about playing loose, and we'll transition to the west side of the draw, which has obviously been decided. The Vegas Golden Knights, and we got a round to go, but I would think Mark Andre Fleury would uh, would be your Conn Smythe winner if people had to pick it after three rounds. And I mean, you see all the quotes about you know his teammates and his coach seeing the smile on his face and all the fun he appears to be having. And I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I, I know you know you can always quibble about a goals against. I, I didn't have a problem with the way Connor Hellebuck played. But Flurry was so good, you almost felt like if they switched goalies, maybe the Jets win the series. I mean, what do you see? I and mean, we've seen him a long time, but what do you see from Flurry in these playoffs, Kelly? He's uh, he's enjoying it more than ever. Uh, he's always been a happy-go-lucky guy. Like he's one of my favorite guys to go visit with after the morning skate because he's very uh, welcoming. It makes it feel as though he he has no interest in uh, you leaving very quickly. He likes to talk about hockey and everything. So. I really enjoy sitting down with him and addressing him after and chatting. But I think it's safe to say that his performance in these playoffs has been as good as any performance we've ever watched in the Stanley Cup playoffs for three rounds. It's been that incredible. He's up there with the greats 
like Ken Dryden and whomever else you want to put in the, in that category. Billy Smith, Patrick Waugh, Grant Fear, those kind of categories. And and it's not as though he's being protected by a team that's unbelievable defensively. I mean, there are a lot of breakdowns, and he's making some really spectacular saves. And I just love the way he's a bit of a hybrid kind of. Like the newer goalies are a little bit better with their structure and so on, but he's still... Uh, still sound structurally, but there's a lot of athletic uh, plays that he makes that I really love. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, and I, and I love that hybrid description because because I, I know you guys were talking about that on the broadcast the other night too. He's not, I guess he's sort of maybe in between, right? The the everybody was a yeah. butterfly type goalie there for a while that Patrick Waugh brought into the league, and then now you you know you, you, there might be more of a mix. He's kind of in between those two generations, maybe. Yeah, and you know. I, there's lots of talk among some of the goalie coaches and uh, some of the teams that maybe there's a, a, a spot or a situation, and it's all, you know, you have to read the play, that maybe a goalie can stand up a little bit more often. I'm not suggesting we're going to go back to Bernie Cron style or Jacques Quant, but there, there has to be a situation where you can stay on your feet and not drop down to your knees every single time because... The uh, high short side has been an epidemic for about four or five years. And until goalies are taught that you can actually read the play, and if you feel comfortable enough, you can stand up. I, I've watched Flurry do it a number of times in these playoffs. There's a bad angle shot, and he stands there, and there's nothing uh, that the guy can shoot at. And the rebound doesn't go directly out front, what all goalie or certain goalie coaches are so worried about. And again i think it's situational read it and if you feel that you can make a save and you take away everything short side why not stay on your feet yeah that one we talked about that earlier in the year too so that's a great point yeah kelly it's going to be fun game seven tomorrow night then we're into the stanley cup final we'll have you on next week once that's underway man enjoy okay thanks reed Kelly Rudy checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Chet. You can check in by texting 630-630 by calling 780-496-0063. When we get back, who is the most famous athlete in the world? Inside Sports on Chet. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Blue Jays leading the Angels 5-2 in the bottom of the fourth. The Memorial Cup later on tonight. Hamilton 1-1 one one against the Katie Bathurst. They are 2-0. NBA game starts at 7. Houston at Golden State. Warriors lead that series two games to one. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Lou Lamarillo. Now going to the front office of the New York Islanders after leaving the Toronto Maple Leafs. Also assistant GM Mark Hunter from the Maple Leafs also leaving Toronto. So Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. Good to see you again, Kellen. Haven't uh, been working for a while. Yeah, how you doing, Reed? Hope you've been well. Uh, things are going good. So uh, ESPN on their website today put out this uh, list. The World Fame 100. They call it their annual ranking of the biggest names in sports. Okay. So uh, this was interesting. I don't know. Did you see anything about this today, Kellen? No, this is the first time I'm hearing about first it. First time so. you're hearing about it? Yeah. All right. So they, they used the, the criteria they used was uh, someone's search score. 
So often they were Googled or, or, or Yahooed or, or, or dogpiled or, or whatever. Okay. Was dog, wasn't dogpiled one of the early search engines? Anyway, and then they used their endorsement income and their social media following, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. All right. How many? Just a, qu- a quick quiz for Kellen Kennedy. Mm. How many hockey players do you think made the list? Uh, in the whole world of sports, probably be lucky if there's a handful, maybe five. You're you're way too high. Okay. None. None. There's not a single hockey player so, on no, this list. So no Crosby, no McDavid, no well, Ovechkin. Nobody. Nobody. All right. Fair enough. All right. So not let's we'll, we'll just do this throughout the show. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just do a few. We'll just do a couple names right, right. now. Cool. And we'll we'll go back to this later. Sure. We'll just see. Has Kellen Kennedy heard of these people? Okay. Now number one. On the ESPN World Fame 100 list. So this is the most famous person. According to the ESPN criteria, okay. the most famous athlete in the world. Cristiano Ronaldo. Heard of him, obviously. you know what sport he plays? Soccer. All right. Do you know what his nationality is? Uh, Spanish? He's Portuguese. Portuguese. Oh, don't. Well, you just, oh, I know. You just made a lot of Portuguese people yeah, really unhappy. Yeah, I know. Nice going, Whoops. Kel. And I know Sorry. about unhappy Portuguese people. Trust me. <laughs> Number two, have you heard of? All right. LeBron James. Yes. Number three, Lionel Messi. Yes. Sport. Soccer. Nationality. Uh, Italian, right? No, he's Argentinian. Argentinian. Now we got the Portuguese Ah. and the Argentines (laughs) mad at us. How to to weed out our listing base, Kellen. Quickly, number four, Neymar. Oh, that's soccer, right? Neymar? Uh, uh, Yes, uh, nationality. Oh, Brazilian. Brazilian. All right, yeah, so, so far you're four for four. All right. We'll go a little bit of the way down the list. The most famous athletes in the world. No hockey players mm. at all on the list. Uh, a lot going on with the Eskimos camp underway. Of course, that big news on the weekend. John White running back released. That was a bit of a surprise. Dave Campbell will break it down. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Oilers goaltender Cam Talbot, Montreal, re-signing goaltender Antti Niemi. One-year deal, $950,000. Three teams last year, Florida, Pittsburgh, then the Canadians, 34 years old, went 7-9-4. And And, uh, whenever we mention Antti Niemi on the show... Somebody always says, what do his nieces and nephews call him? It's pretty funny. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with southern classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. It's happening tomorrow, Kellen. Oh, okay. It's I was going to ask about tomorrow. that. It is happening tomorrow. All right. I am buying Jack Michael's lunch mm-hmm. at Northern Chicken. All right. Finally paying off my lost bet. I took the Toronto Raptors. He took the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's going to be a beautiful day for it. Maybe we'll sit outside. I think they have a little patio mm-hmm. or they open the uh, the front uh, front windows yeah. there. I don't know if they got one of those barn doors or whatever. It's going to be so an there awesome go. day for and it. Jack will... Be able to crow about the chicken, so to speak. <laughs> Dave Campbell's coming up in a few minutes. He covers the Edmonton Eskimos training camp his other way. Hey, speaking of live sports, so we have the hockey game tomorrow. 
Six o'clock face-off, Bolts and Caps to go to the final and place Vegas and play Vegas. That'll start Monday. All the NHL playoff games on 6.30, Chet, and, of course, all the Eskimos games on 6.30, Chet. Sunday afternoon, 1.30 countdown to kickoff. Kickoff at 3, preseason tilt against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So they're getting going right away. We'll hear from Dave uh, in a few minutes to let us know what's going on. Uh, running back, they cut John White unexpectedly uh, after physicals on the weekend. I want to ask him about receiver as well. Brandon Zilstra gone to the NFL Nate Bahar, high draft pick from uh, last year. He's a Canadian. I wonder if he's going to have a chance to to make an impact there. So we, I think we kind of stumbled on an off-topic topic here, Kellen, mm-hmm. with the, the ESPN Top 100. What are they calling it again? The, the World Fame 100. Okay. Their annual ranking of the biggest names in sports. No hockey players on the list. Big T texting in. He goes, read ESPN, doesn't even know what hockey is, LOL. Well, I don't think he's that far off the mark. That's true. I think they're infamous for their, I guess, lack of NHL well, coverage. here's the thing. And, and we've touched on this before. As, as passionate as we are in Edmonton, Alberta, and, and Canada about hockey, hockey is not an international sport. There, there are quite a few countries that play it. There are, you know... A, a decent number of countries that play it quite well, but even as we saw at the World Hockey Championship, as they've expanded it to 16 teams in, in recent years, there are several games that aren't that competitive. Yeah, let's be now, realistic. Switzerland did. Switzerland made the final. Yeah. Germany made the Olympic final. They weren't best on yeah. best tournaments, yeah. but I mean, what do we got in hockey? There's like f- five to seven really good nations, maybe another four to six that are okay yeah. and can rise up and upset. And then once you get kind of into the teens, not as strong. So hockey is not an international game. So to me, when you're talking about the uh, about famous athletes, and this is the world fame 100. So I, to me, when you're saying, is, is somebody a famous athlete, can you go to a random person in any country in the world and might they have heard of that person? You know, I'm guessing not a lot of Africans have heard of Connor McDavid. Probably not a lot of Australians and New Zealanders will have heard of Connor McDavid or, or Sidney Crosby or be able to identify a picture or, like I was asking you, know their sport, their nationality, right? Just like yeah, there, are, there are players on this list yeah. that, uh, uh, because there are 10 cricket players on this list. Okay. Now, cricket, yeah. where is it big? India, Pakistan, you got over a billion people in those two countries. So, so that alone is a lot of recognition. Um, Got some uh, text here. LeBron James should be the uh, most famous uh, person on the list. Well, well, he was up there. Uh, Now, some people texting in. um, This one, Daryl says, the babe, referring to Babe Ruth. Uh, This texter says, most famous athlete is Jesse Owens, considering what, where, and when he accomplished what he accomplished. So that got me thinking, Kellen. Mm -hmm. Most famous athlete of all time. So we're talking in 2018. You go to somebody in uh, in England, you go to somebody in uh, Russia, you go to somebody in uh, Nigeria, you go to somebody in uh, in Pakistan, you go to somebody in Australia, you go to somebody in Peru, you go to somebody in Panama, you go to somebody in Canada, and, and have you have you heard of this person? So during the break, I got thinking. I would think these would be the most famous athletes of all time. 
and we're talking about basically going back about 100 years when sports kind of became a, a thing that could be widely followed by a lot of people. I was trying to do five. I had trouble coming up with a fifth. Muhammad Ali, I, w- I would think Muhammad Ali would be the most famous athlete of all time. That even yeah. s- even somebody, obviously, you know, he's, he's passed away, but he, even somebody, a, a younger person who would never have seen him fight, would have no hope of ever seeing him fight, would know the name Muhammad Ali and that he boxed. It's easier to watch tape of him now than it was 20 years well, ago. Well, sure, too, there's YouTube yeah, and stuff, but I, internet, I just but... think there'd be some name recognition mm. for a lot of people in the world. I put Pele on my little list. Mm. Pretty big soccer player. Yeah. I put Babe Ruth on the list, as, as Daryl suggested. Okay. And I still put Michael Jordan. That's fair enough. So that's four, and then you had an issue with number five, I don't right? know who to put for number five. For I mean, number you put five. LeBron on the list. I didn't put any current guys on the mm. list. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, like, But I'm just thinking, who, because there are, there are places in the world you would go where you would say a hockey player's name, and nobody would know who that is. Is there any country in the world you could go to, any region, where nobody, somebody would know everywhere who Muhammad Ali was? I would, I would think. That that's my theory. Maybe we should maybe we should just randomly call now, other countries. Would you put? <laughs> would you consider a guy like a Mike Tyson as number five? No, not at all. No, because maybe maybe big then in North America and maybe in little bits of Europe and that stuff. But yeah, well, I he guess was known world. world. I mean, the heavyweight champion of the, of the world, where boxing had more of a following, and part of that was because of him. Sure, would, would he be? Would Mike Tyson be one of the top five famous athletes of all time? In my mind, he wouldn't be. Hmm. Okay, no, fair enough. You can text us at 6.30, It's 6.41. Quick timeout. Dave Campbell's coming up. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30, Chad. All right, still 5-2. Blue Jays leading the Angels, bottom of the fifth. So uh, we're having some fun here talking about uh, who would be the most famous athletes in the world. Now, the ESPN list is current athletes. Kellen and I started getting into who might be the most famous athletes ever, whether yeah. they're retired, deceased, or currently completing, exactly. competing. Now, Tiger Woods is six on the current list, and several people have texted in that Tiger Woods should be in the top five that I threw out of the most famous of all time, and that's a great point. At his peak, I think whether you were a golf fan or not or a uh, sports fan or not, you probably knew Tiger Woods was, was oh, a really, yeah, he really was good everywhere. golfer. Yep. So that's, that's, a, that's a pretty, good, uh, pretty w- good one to put in the top five. Usain Bolt getting several mentions as well. Greatest sprinter of all time. We'll keep weaving that in and out throughout the show tonight. But a lot going on with the Edmonton Eskimos. They've been on the field for training camp for a few days. Dave Campbell covers the team here for 630 Chet. Dave, how are you doing? It's great, Reed. How are you? It feels like I haven't seen you in a while. Well, it is nice to see you. (laughs) I've had a limited working schedule. Yeah. But I'm glad to be working today. Glad to be talking Edmonton Eskimos. Hey, hey, here's, here's one for you. Hot enough for you, Dave? <laughs> yeah, wow. It was a scorcher today. I mean, this probably is the hottest day of the year. Yeah. I know we had a freak 28-degree day, like I think in late April, early early May. But, uh, yeah, close to 30 degrees today, if not 30. And it was, uh, yeah, it was steamy out, that, out, out on that field for sure. So, but. So- Perfect for two-a-days, right? Oh, players, just lovely. Players love it in two-a-days, especially the O-linemen. <laughs> oh, O-linemen, D-linemen. 
you know, it's easy if you're those kickers, right? If you're Sean White, you know, it's just it's just a, another day in paradise for a kicker. But uh, yeah, it's you know, hey, it's a grind training camp. Uh, Jason Moss, that's what he called it. He's he's used the the phrase "war of attrition." before to describe training camp so uh, you you know you can't control the elements you know you can't really control your schedule it is what it is so you make the best of it that's what you have to do all right so look the the attrition started well i don't know if this was really a cost of attrition but this was a curious one with john white dave so just to to recap the the backstory for people john white starts last year as a starting running back gets hurt early yeah they try a few different things they acquire cj gable He's really good, if not excellent, down the stretch. Bo- they're both free agents. C.J. Gable is signed. Yep. And at that time in the offseason, I'm thinking, okay, John White, thank you, but they're moving on. And then John White is signed. Yeah. So I, I guess it's kind of a, a, a in, in my mind, it's a, it's a bit of a weird situation. A few months ago, I wasn't expecting John White to be an Edmonton Eskimo during training camp. Mm-hmm. But then when they re-signed him, I think, okay, they're going to come in with a good one-two punch or, or White's a heck of a backup. And then and then he every, he passed the physical, right? He did. So this wasn't like you're 400 pounds overweight, so you nope. can't play on the team. Nope. So what do you think happened here? From what I'm uh, gathering, yeah, he did pass the physical. But there's a difference be- between being in shape and being in football shape. And I think that's where the uh, disagreement was. I think with uh, with the team and and with and with John White is okay. You pass the physical, great, but we don't really feel you're in the shape that we want you to be in, or the type of physical uh, physical football shape that we want you to be in. So now he's recovering from a torn ACL. Um, that takes a long, long time for a player to recover from an injury like that. So it might have affected his training. It might have affected the way he was he was training. And the type of body he was trying to, uh, I guess, you know, basically have going into camp, protecting against another injury, perhaps, maybe. But I think that's where the divide is, is, is yes, he passed the physical, but doesn't mean that he was in the desired football shape that the Eskimos wanted him to be in. So I think that could have a big factor in why John White is not an Edmonton Eskimo uh, and it, it could be as well that maybe he just didn't really want to accept the role, that he felt that maybe I should come in and I should actually compete because uh, for that starter job. But that wasn't going to happen because C.J. Gable was deemed the starter well, well into the offseason, early right. in the offseason as a matter of fact. So it's always surprising um, when you see a, a name like John White not even make it to training camp. I thought he'd be given the chance to compete. But at the end of the day, where is he going to play? You know, Trayvon Van was also released, another veteran running back right. after the mini camp. Uh, they love they love Shaq Cooper out of Fort Hayes State. They love him since since uh, mini camp. So it's going to be hard to find a spot for anybody uh, other than C.J. Gable. You know, if John White was a returner, for example, maybe okay. you can get him on the roster. But it's going to be hard to do that. So John White, hey, I, I, you know, I hope I hope at some point. He'll catch on somewhere. Well, you'd but, think so. But that's the problem is you look around the CFL right now, no one really has a pressing need at running back. So he might have to wait a while. Well, that lasts until the first injury, though. For sure. At running back. For sure. And But, and, but okay. So, that, so, so okay, for the Eskimos' depth at running back, though, so if you mentioned they cut Van, yeah. who didn't knock my socks off no. last year, but he was an experienced player. 
Yeah. So Gable's the starter. No John White. No Trayvon Van. Who's the Who's the backup? I mean, is there is there a backup now with big question marks next to his name? Yeah. Until we see a couple preseason games. And you know, and no, no Ladarius Perkins as well. He was let go. He was coming into his right so, third season. Okay. Yeah, because he was here two years ago on the practice roster late in 2016 when you yes. can inflate your practice roster. Signed back last season, played some games, started six or seven games last year. So he was let go too. So, yeah, you got C.J. Gable and not much else as far as names go. Okay. Mentioned Shaq Cooper. Uh, they all, they signed Jordan Robinson yesterday. He's out of Sacramento State. Had a pretty good run, 41 games over 2,800 yards, 25 touchdowns. And uh, can catch the ball a little bit too. Uh, and then, uh, other than that, you got a bunch of Canadian uh, prospects. You got Alex Taylor, who was one of their draft picks. Uh, you got uh, uh, Blair Zur, another one of their draft picks. Uh, Chris Amoa, who's out of uh, Laval, very good running back. So it, it's really an unknown. And right now, I would say before games are being played, that Shaq Cooper is probably the number two running back okay. uh, behind CJ Gable. But yeah, it's, it's a relative unknown. Uh, Brock Sunderland, you know, the GM basically just wiped out all the veterans and said, C.J. Gable's our guy. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure John White wasn't the most expensive signing, but it probably took a bit of dollars to bring him back. And same with Trayvon Van. Now you cut two veterans, you're saving money there too. And running backs grow on trees. You know, not a lot of things grow well, on trees. Fair, but okay, fair point, but good, because look, good running backs though, I mean, nobody nobody was as good last year as Gable. No doubt. And none of the other guys were as good as White. I mean, Van, okay, had some birth. Even Perkins. Yeah. But the, nobody was consistent until they brought Gable in. And what separates Gable? He protects well. He protects well. And I thought yeah. he re- was a good receiver out sure. of the backfield as well. Sure. So, you know, they're, they're thin at running back as far as experience goes. But that's what training camp's all about is just finding out who can who can handle the role. Well, that's going to be something to watch for. Oh, uh, no I th- doubt. I think who they, who they can hand it off to. Uh, also up front, Dave Campbell uh, joining us, producer of this show and our uh, Eskimos analyst here on 630 Shed. We have a game already Sunday, don't forget, here on Shed. Uh, 3 o'clock kickoff, 1.30 uh, countdown to kickoff when the Eskimos host the Rough Riders. So receiver's another interesting position to me. You lose Zilstra, who yep. was the leading receiver in the CFL. Obviously, Walker's back as he came back for the for the end of last season. I, I want to ask about Nate Bahar because he was the, the high draft pick from 2017, and he had that bit of a, I don't know if anybody ever really labeled it a hold. It was a holdout, wasn't it? it? Was for all intents and purposes. Oh, yeah, it was a holdout. And then he was pretty much a special team player last year. Yeah. Because so, they, uh, they didn't want to put him on the practice no. roster and have him claimed by another team. And he would be. He, he would have been, been. Yeah, he, he would have right, been. Because yeah. he has a lot of potential. Now, it's interesting for me, though, because we've seen some Canadian receivers come to the Eskimos in the last five or six years who we thought, oh, this guy might be pretty. Like, I'm talking drafted players. Mm-hmm. Shamad Chambers was solid. I wouldn't say he was ever great. You know, Devin Bailey clearly yeah. was more of a, a depth player. Well, Kuhorn hung around in a depth role. He did. For a yeah. long time. What? Who or what is Bahar so far going into, through camp, going into this? Well, season? right now he's a non-participant because he's injured, right? So, and we often, we, sh- we often see that yeah. in camp. We that do. Yeah. situations a guy could play through in the regular season, they hold him out of camp. Of course, Okay, yeah. so we're not seeing him, but is he in their top five right now? Well, uh, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and even though he's not playing and not practicing, he's listed as one of their starting five receivers. Okay. So that shows you how the team feels about him, right? And he had a very good mini camp out there in Vegas, along with uh, another Canadian, Natea Jay. Um, 
Nate Bahar is an interesting scenario. He's in the last year of a two-year contract. We know what happened last year with the contract dispute. It wasn't pretty. It was pretty ugly. Um, didn't get what he wanted. He got basically low-balled at the end of the day because right. he had no choice. But they're giving him a chance, clearly, to get healthy, get in the lineup, and make an impact. What kind of receiver is Nate Bahar? Good question. I mean, everything you say is correct sure. about Canadian receivers because you're not really sure what you're going to get. You look around the league, you know, who's the best Canadian receiver out there? And, you know, Brad Sinopoli comes to mind. Uh, but other than that, you know, I'm trying to think, just rack my brain. Nick Dembski has, is an interesting Canadian receiver who's now with the Bombers, uh, spent the first three years in, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But Canadian receivers are not overly impactful. You know, the, the most impactful receiver of the last 10 years was Andy Fantuz. Well, for right? sure. And he's retired now. So, yes. Uh, I don't know where you're going to get out of the name. Where are they going to line him up? They're going to line him up on the, uh, in, on, on the strong side. So that'd be the wide side of the field in Corey Watson's spot. So just that he's the fifth receiver. So he'll, okay. he'll line up nearest to the quarterback. So he's still coming out of the slot, though, which yes. means there's the potential slot. to get more balls than if you're way out, like you said, where Kuhorn used to play. Correct. Because a lot of Kuhorn's receptions were not plays designed for Nate Kuhorn. No. They were safety valve catches. He was the fifth option. Right. At times, right? <laughs> right. Like, you know, if they had five receivers, he was usually the fifth right. option. So, uh, but Nate Bahar, if, you, if you're going to start a Canadian in the slot, uh, that usually means you know you're going to be factored in more than than usual. Now, I mean, Duke Williams played a lot of the uh, that spot where Nate Kuhorn hung out, which is that wide side wide receiver position. But but we know what Duke Williams' ability is. He's a fifty fifty guy, right? Yes. Who can catch those contested catches and and make them look really good. So um, you know, Bahar clearly is given is going to be given a shot here, and they're working him along slowly. And they don't want to rush him. They don't feel they have to rush him. Um, but that is a real interesting um, area to watch is is the Nate Bahar factor. And I think the club expects some some contribution from him this year. What will it look like? That's the biggest question. All right. Well, a couple guys to watch here throughout the week. Dave, thanks for the update, buddy. But we're bright and early tomorrow. When are they on the field? Uh, on the field, well, 8, 8.30. Not when it gets bright, because then they'll be out there at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But. Don't do that. They're probably waking up just by the, around that time. Training camp's a grind, folks. Uh, on the field at 8.30 till about 10.40 tomorrow. So a shorter day tomorrow, then back to two-a-days on, uh, on uh, Thursday. Dave Campbell, thanks for sticking around. More on the Eskimos on 630Ched.com. Text of the night from Jason from Saskatchewan. He says, Muhammad Ali is known everywhere and by far the most well-known athlete in the world after Kent Austin and Milson Jones. That's a good one, Jason from Saskatchewan. Back after the news. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.